Hello folks, it's Al here. Welcome to another episode of the Electric Head Podcast. Just wanted to let you guys know it's a bit of a different episode this week. Um, myself and Si have been a little bit busy, a lot going on. Uh, but rather than miss a week, you can probably hear building work going on outside my house. Apologies for that. Uh, but rather than not have a podcast go out this week, we thought it might be quite nice to share some of the outtakes and the unused bits from previous shows. So bit of a mixed bag this week, but we hope you enjoy it. There's a few unused headache dotes and some top fives and paranormal stories. And uh, we hopefully will be back to normal next week. But it's nice to uh, use some of these. So I hope it brings a laugh and uh, that you're all doing well. Enjoy! Well, this is a true story about the making, not everyone, about uh, yourself and I making uh, The Cracks Are Showing. Right, yeah. This and was this our uh, pilot episode for yeah. a TV series. One of the first things we did on film, really. And we... Amongst yeah, the first. We found ourselves going pretty crazy. We, yes. were, we were locked together in a house for yes. a couple of weeks uh, with myself in character as Mr. Scrote. And Alice, uh, Boris, Boris Karloff, the not no relation to your cat. Yes, no, not the at eccentric all. genius. But Boris for, for part of it, my mum lives up in Yorkshire, and uh, for part of it, we decided that we <laughs> we ha- uh, the character, the central character, had to be on the top of a mountain with a ten foot aerial on his head. Um, yeah. Trying to commit suicide by being struck by lightning, which, as an idea, is seemed- brilliant. <laughs> in but practice, as a practical, now, uh, I think one of the first mistakes we made when we did that was building the ten foot aerial as a one piece prop <laughs> uh, that we then had to get to yeah, Yorkshire instead of one that we had to assemble. Yeah, and I remember getting on a Virgin train from yeah. London to Yorkshire with a giant aerial and trying to That's stow right. it on the overhead and things like that. So we walk, So we. There was to- also someone famous on that train that day. Uh, it was someone who was a racist on Big Brother or something. Really? Yeah. Anyway, that's right, uh, I can't. Right. It, w- without we me should have skewered them on, we have, on the yeah. ten foot aerial. I'm sure there was perhaps. someone. Anyway, uh, right, that's besides anyway, the point. Yeah, we, I digress. So we had to climb up. It was snowing. We had to climb up to the top of this mountain in Yorkshire, uh, a peak in more, costume. more than a big. Well, mountain. I was in costume. You were in you costume. Yeah. No, uh, with the ten foot aerial. Then Al had to put the ten foot aerial, which was attached to a crash helmet, a crash, a silver crash helmet. Yeah, and then he had to walk. And the thing is, now I'm I'm not very practically minded i'm not really the uh the uh the director of photography of the uh, double act <laughs> as, as but people are probably in aware. this instance as i was in front of the camera several feet away i had to film yeah i had i had to have someone and it was in the it middle, may as well have been you i thought and it was in the middle of mistake. a blizzard pretty yeah. much so al walked away to come up over over the side of a of a hill well the snow was literally on the way up there it was past my waist yeah, it was serious. So there was a slope uh, that he he wanted to rise up above. So you just saw the aerial emerging, and then him coming to the top. And of course, there's the, your gag. And it was yeah, that's what's the idea. The reveal, and it was freezing cold. So the wind's whipping, 
and I can hardly see anything. My hands are frozen. I'm trying to operate this camera. I can't even work well, out. Well, the camera froze. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because it was an old was tape cold. camera, and so the mechanism inside froze. And I was struggling to... It uh, wasn't that we'd borrowed the camera as well, and so it, I, I'm not, straight away I'm panicking that the camera's broken and it's not ours. And, I, and Then I realise it's frozen. And I'm not very dexterous at the best of times, <laughs> and I've got poor eyesight, so I was, I was struggling to work out how to turn it on. Just Al, press the red Al, who was in costume, freezing with a 10-foot aerial. About 20 feet away. Was getting, well, first of all, you were next to, getting quite annoyed, as I recall, with me sort of saying, oh, so is this the on switch or is, is this the button? And you're just, press that red button. It That's how it works. hell. And, and then Al had to go off. And, and, and so I was there and I was just shouting, action! Nothing. Nothing. All I couldn't I, hear anything. All I could see I was, was this, miles away over a ridge in and, a blizzard. And the wind was whipping and I was, I was like, Action! Action! You were hoarse, and nothing. And, and it, it didn't. It didn't appear. And then I swung the camera to the right. There I was. And there he was. It already. Come and I up. thought, finally, we got the shot. <laughs> and I walk all the way back down to the camera. And uh, and it's all. All the shot is is just to of be a, given of the a news. White a white uh, that we didn't have slope the shot. so I went back with up with me shouting action I went back over the ridge you did and I was getting slightly annoyed at this point <laughs> to say the least and, so uh, I thought I had the camera then in the right place but I think what happened was is that Al moved back to the spot where I'd been filming before assuming that I would just keep the camera in the same place but I moved it to where he'd just come up it was a living hell this is. <laughs> and I started again action <laughs> action <laughs> And then I, I, I realised, I moved the camera back and he'd come up over the slope again. Then he walked back and he said, you got the shot right, you got the shot this time. And I was like... You went... Uh, uh, actually, what you said was... Um... <laughs> no. <laughs> so back over the slope. Back I, I, the I might slope. actually, uh, if this goes out, put that footage on YouTube. Yeah, do. Yeah. people to see. Yeah, that was uh. a bad day. That was a bad day. But good footage, though. Do you know what the worst part is? When you actually look at the footage that we took up the mountain, it looks like it's a green screen. I know. That is the worst <laughs> bit about it. It looks as it looks fake so as anything. Good. It, looks, it looks fake, doesn't it? It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and we did discover we survived, uh, maple pecan biscuit cakes that, uh, that day. Did we? Remember? Yeah, we went down to the Naked Man Cafe, which was uh, below with the 10 foot aerial freezing cold to warm up with a cup of hot chocolate and on the menu they had maple pe- pecan biscuit cake and that became a reoccurring it did. Uh, phrase you might hear theme. that in on the menu you actually. may do yes maple i think it does biscuit pop up because it's just fun to say it's a great phrase isn't it maple, maple pecan, pecan biscuit bis- cake oh, no maple pecan biscuit cake maple pe- oh make maple pecan biscuit cake maple pecan biscuit cake yes it just sounds good maple pe- oh, fuck Maple pecan biscuit cake. It's a lovely collection of sounds. Sounds, yeah, it's a good one. Sai, do you want another supernatural? Oh, well, yeah, I must admit there's a couple that I've really enjoyed. Softcock's box, I really enjoyed. I loved that okay. one. Was well, a bit spooky. And the other one, which was the, um, what was the, 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 the and I'm thinking about you falling into the grave. Oh, the other one was the facetious ghost, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, the, we never solved that one. We never did. But this one, I think you'll quite enjoy this. Now, I do know where this is from. This is from the Sunday Dispatch Reporter newspaper uh, in 1948. So not, 1948, not too... 1948, okay. 
This is the headline is Headless Ghost in Prefab. <laughs> oh yeah, because they put up lots of prefab housing. I believe this is right because in the baby exactly. thing after the war. And in fact, this shows my age. Back in the seventies uh, and early eighties, when I first went to school, uh, there's probably still some knocking around somewhere. Some of our, um, some of the schools had prefab huts, and I was actually in in one of those uh, in my first year of junior school. I believe was it haunted. It was not haunted only by this only by this uh, little kid. I'm trying to remember what his name was. I think his name was Wayne. Who 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 he haunted me by telling me that if he won my superhero top trumps, he got to keep them all. Ah, uh, that kid. I know. And every mm. time he won one, then I came home. My mum said, "What happened to your Marvel top trumps?" I was like, "Well, Wayne told me that if he won them, he got he got to keep them." She was like, "You you idiot." <laughs> go back could, in and could you not on. win did you win them back uh and he didn't want to play once he won them all. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> smart wayne's pretty <laughs> smart yeah, huh? so anyway the headless ghost in prefab right so here, this is the article the ghost of a headless man is causing considerable i feel like i'm reading the news <laughs> the ghost of a headless man is causing considerable alarm to people living in prefab prefab prefabricated bungalows in, made out of peas <laughs> you sure yes in page road middlesex so much so that the police have been called the bungalows, which are detached, were built by Feltham Council on land which once formed part of the notorious Hounslow Heath, one-time haunt of highwaymen. Ooh, oh, this is interesting. I love highwaymen. Yeah, it is, right. For weeks past, strange things, and it is in inverted commas, strange things have been happening in the house. Number 42, occupied by Mr. Joseph Wilkinson, a coach driver, Mary, his 27-year-old wife, and Patricia, their four-year-old daughter. They have been haunted by a headless figure. Oh, that's one scary. Time. I think that's one of the scariest types of ghosts. Headless. Completely headless. But does it say whether it had the head under the arm, or was it just headless? Well, Is that scarier? One night, the little girl screamed out to her parents, there's a man sitting on my bed. Then, when the Wilkinson's dog, Dusty, went hysterical... (laughs) That kind of makes it less scary. Dusty the dog went hysterical... Dusty (laughs) the dog went hysterical with fear overnight, and the family sought refuge with a neighbour. Mr. Walter Luke, ex-naval officer who lives at number 44 with his wife and daughter... It was Mr. Duke who sent for the police because strange things then began to happen in in his bungalow. My word. One night last week, the stillness was shattered by the crash of a heavy book on the floor. That, said Mr. Wilkinson, was not so alarming as being able to unable to find any books on the floor afterwards. Mm. I mean, so we heard what was different. How did he know it was a book smack? Yeah. That would be my question. I'm getting a bit... Well, this is the naval officer, right? Yeah. Mr. Luke is now thinking of asking for psychic research investigators to visit his bungalow. <laughs> right, I bet. Yeah, so I'm a bit... I think he's probably got a little fetish for uh, psychic investigators. Maybe. Um, he's expecting M- Mully and Scolder to turn up at the... Mully and Scolder? Oh, no, Scully and Mulder. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mully and Scolder. <laughs> 
<laughs> to turn up. Yeah, that's the the, the original series was uh, the Molly, Molly, and Molly and Scalder. Yeah, Molly she would just Scalder just go around pouring hot water on people. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so she was called the Scalder. And Molly, of course, famously would find these spooky stories and just mull them over. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whilst drinking mulled wine. I am wondering. Yeah. This is a little bit dark, but could it be? the army general that's in the could he be the one sitting on the girl's bed do you think so and what did he do he disguised his head somehow he probably just did that thing where you do up the buttons of your jacket (laughs) to make it look like you haven't got a head yeah he He would he would have been disguising himself right yeah of course he sounds Mm, like a dodgy i don't know he does but i i mean i don't know how this relates to highwaymen and headless headless ghosts i can't i don't see the connection um well because it yeah if it was a real ghost if you believed in that kind of thing i'm not saying i'm open-minded about this but yeah uh they did they didn't they execute high women by chopping their heads off the headless horseman mm, head. yeah yeah classic no but i mean i don't see any um connection with you know with uh unless he would maybe he set it up but why did the dog go mad? Well, what's up, what's up why with did Dusty? Dusty go mad? But if there's an intruder in the house, the dog's going to go crazy, right? Do you think Dusty's a very strange name for a dog? Did you think they used the dog as a duster to, to dust the prefabs with? Well, it was 1948. So it's possible, more than possible. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yet, yet, yet another case <laughs> of the supernatural. Uns- uh, if you Uns- have a solution to this one, please tell us on facebook or instagram what was yeah. going on here what the headless ghost in a prefab but did it say did it ever say whether the headless ghost had a head under its arm it did not uh definitely say do you know what though the headline talks about a headless ghost nothing in the article suggests that it's headless no she didn't mention it was headless she just said it was a man in the bed on the bed yeah do you think that that's just the the press trying to get you know to basically sell a few bits of extra copy isn't it maybe headless, headless ghost la 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 what it is is the old naval captain sits on girl's bed it's a bit weird <laughs> dog goes mental dog goes mental why not uh, yeah that's a much snappier that's the kind of headline you'd get now <laughs> yeah true that is true yeah right well that i hope you enjoyed another delve into this pool of the supernatural i certainly did i i do love i wasn't talking to you i was talking to whoever was listening Sorry. <laughs> okay, what are your top five children's books? Oh, good. Uh, this is an exciting choice for me um, because basically that's all, that's all I ever read. <laughs> no, no, that's, not, that's not true. Um, yeah, uh, that's an interesting question though because I mean I do still read children's books occasionally. I do still- children's books as well yeah and well because uh they call them children's books okay so that's the thing isn't it a book is a book is a book really the book is a book yeah does it does it does it need to have an age rating to an extent i suppose if it's a a really pornographic and violent book it shouldn't be read to a five-year-old at bedtime well no probably not i remember i do remember i read my son um catch 22 when he was very very young um but then, uh, which he absolutely loved, and I think to this day it's still one of his favourite books. 
But I, I then got to the bit where there was stuff about prostitution and sex and stuff, and then I had to edit it. But, of course, that made him even more interested in what I was... I was like, oh, I can't read you that bit. And he's like, well, why not? What is it? <laughs> and I think that that actually improved his reading skills because he was so desperate to read the book and find out the chunks that he I needed to out. read just to see what you censored from Catholic. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Maybe uh, you but... could read those bits out on the podcast one day, <laughs> Titillators! Oh, he'll be listening to this now, going, "I still don't know." <laughs> uh, so go yeah, children, uh, and what you read as a child, I think, has a massive influence on your life. Uh, and when I look at, if I think at my my five uh, top ten uh, children's books, or top five, sorry, not top ten, <laughs> would be here forever. Uh, I would say, okay, so let, let's go into a few uh, obvious ones. Would be Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Um, which I, I I actually never read Alice in Wonderland until I was older. So, really, that yeah. was probably one of the first books I read on my own. I think. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, I really loved it. I loved the illustrations, and also, yeah. I, afterwards, after reading, I remember had, I had a dream where I actually, and it was one of my first ever vivid dreams as, as a child, that I went into a tree, a hole in a tree, and fell down and down and down. But the magical world I went into was like uh, Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Toontown. Uh, yeah, I was basically in a cartoon world and all my, like Bugs Bunny and all the all the characters that I'd seen on TV and the cartoons were in that world. And he never got back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still in that world now. But I, yeah, at least I love that dream I had. So yeah, Alice in Wonderland, which I think is brilliant. I think it's very funny as well. Uh, it's got loads of nonsense poetry, in which I which I love, which leads me on to probably. Um, uh, and I'm not going to say one book from from this, uh, but I would say uh, in the top five, I don't know where would be Edward Lear, um, yeah. I, who used to write was very famous and popular in the Victorian era, I believe. Um, for they writing, had t- they had like T-shirts with his slogan and his face on it and stuff, I, didn't they? He was literally almost that famous, Edward Lear. But he, yeah, he wrote lots of nonsense poetry. I remember there was one uh, my mum used to read to us, which was uh, called The Jumblies. Let me see if I can remember it. Hang on. And I think it goes, Far and few, far and few are the lands where the Jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. There you go. See, all my influences come from it. And there's one I used to read my son, uh, which was uh, The Quangle Wangle's Hat which I love, which goes uh, on top of the crumpety tree, the quangle wangle sat, but his face you could not see on account of his beaver skin hat. For his hat was 102 feet wide with ribbons and bibbons on every side and bells and buttons and loops and lace so that no one could ever see the face of the quangle wangle queen. There you that go. Is very well remembered. I know. It, uh, it sounds like, yeah, lots of influence on Spike Milligan's poems as well. Yeah, probably. and that was the other one I was going to mention Spike Milligan, Milligan Animals. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember, I think the first, yeah, I'm just remembering, as I know it's yeah, top go, five. Go, go. What, what, what? I, I remember one of the first books I read on my own, I think was Matilda, Roald Dahl. Oh, yeah. And that's a great book, isn't it? It's is such a great book because it's kind of like Carrie for kids. 
Yeah, it's dark, <laughs> but it empowers children. And yeah, in fact, right? I remember after reading that book, because I, I was a big Roald Dahl reader as well, staring at a glass of water and hoping I could make it explode or something. You know, uh, I would say I did that as a child. I probably still occasionally do it as an adult. If I'm completely yeah. honest, I'll occasionally yeah. think, I reckon I can move that. Uh, nope. <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? When you This happened to me once, because I always used to dream, and I often have flying dreams, I still do, but in my dreams, when I fly, I have to cycle my legs in the air, um, which whether that came from E.T. subconsciously or, or whether it was the witch in The Wizard of Oz. I don't that know. It's exhausting. I know. But the thing is, uh, I, th- I think actually what it came from, my first sense of freedom as a child was riding my sister's bike around these uh, little alleyways. And it felt like I was flying because it gave me that sense of freedom. But uh, what but she got? But never try this. What happened was, as a kid, I was so my dreams were so vivid that one day I was in an alleyway on my own, and I thought, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can actually do this. Uh, and so I actually ran down the alley. I remember, leapt into the air, cycling my legs rapidly, and I just ended up falling into a pile of bins. <laughs> it was well, the saddest. We've, we've thing. all tried to fly at some point, I imagine, right? Or is that just us? Uh, let us let us know on facebook if you've ever <laughs> attempted to fly <laughs> but this brings me on to know, definitely, you know, let us, definitely let us know on facebook if you ever succeeded yeah geez and give us some tips no but this leads me on to c.s lewis of course the the magician's nephew is my favorite c.s lewis book which is actually the precursor to uh the line in which in the wardrobe but um I've written a monologue about uh, C.S. Lewis a long time ago. I won't go into it now. But as a child, yes, I did scrabble around in the back of wardrobes. And I did I did try and jump into paintings. And I blame C.S. Lewis for that because <laughs> I always thought I believed his work. I loved the, his work, the Narnia books, so much that I actually, to me, they seemed like a reality. Nice. Uh, you must have been. I never came true. I, I hate to lose for that. <laughs> he <laughs> never forgive him. Bastard. So yeah, I don't know which one to put at the top though. There's one I'm going to mention just briefly. I can't really remember a whole lot about it, but I just found out recently there's an animated film of it, The Phantom Tollbooth, uh, which is an amazing book. I remember that takes I don't you know on. That one. Yeah, it's really, really good. You'd love it, actually, Al. You should read that one. Yeah, it takes you, again, into a, into an amazing land with all these weird characters in. Um, I really and, liked yeah. H.G. Wells' books when I was a kid, but I don't think I could actually read them. I think I just liked the concepts of H.G. Wells' books, if you know what I mean. They would be on the shelf, and I'd see 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and The Time Machine and, you know, I would, Food of the Gods. Jules Verne. Sorry. Oh, Jules Verne. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, it, but was, I, it was next to the H.G. Wiles yeah. pile. Yeah, I, like, I was the same. Yeah, the time machine. You know, all those probably... kind of old adventures were always really like inspiring. Oh yeah, yeah, I loved all those, all those as children. Yeah, uh, as a child, even that wasn't more than one child. Um... But it was seeing them, <laughs> like just the titles of them. Uh, like with you know yeah. like a, a leather bound spine that says the war of the worlds or of twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Yeah. That, I've actually I've, I've, I actually collect um, the uh, the penguin classic versions of H.G. Wells. <laughs> That's how sad I am. Yeah, so I've actually I've got the Time Machine. I think the original one of that and the War of the Worlds, um, the Island of Doctor Moreau. 
Um, yeah, it's my little. It's a little hobby for me. That is. What about what about choose your own adventures? They were excellent. I used to look, Ian Livingston was that yeah. his name? Uh, he? Yeah. Seems like he's someone. Steve. No, Steve Jackson. Steve, Steve Jackson. Jackson. I think yeah, was... Livingston. Yeah. Livingston rings a bell, but uh, Livingston, I presume. I've got some here, but I, I can't be bothered going to Yeah, check. I used to love those ones where it says you go to... They don't do those anymore, do they? They must do it, but I guess, like, video games are basically the same thing, aren't they? Pretty well, much. But then video games were just that, as we, as we, yeah. we, we've discussed before, <laughs> where it just said to you, do you turn left or right? And you just yeah. press the L key. <laughs> <laughs> Fun yeah. times. No, those, I used to love those ones as well. Um, what was the other, one, other one I wanted to mention was uh, the 18th Emergency, um, which a lot of people might not have heard of. Um, I don't know that one. But again, yeah, that's that's about a little kid who uh, is basically running away from a bully at school. Uh, but what I love about him is uh, is that he draws when he sees like a, a corner torn on some wallpaper or he's got a hole in his shoe. He always gets a biro and he draws a little arrow pointing to the uh, the hole wherever it is. And and he always writes something like tear here to find out more, or, you know, <laughs> or this way to wherever. And I, yeah, he, that's cool. I, yeah, I used to love that as a kid. That the idea. I, in fact, I probably used to do that a fair bit with a biro. I feel uh, like we've discussed this one before for some reason, but Flat Stanley. Oh yeah, Flat Stanley. Kind of creepy though, right? About a flat <laughs> boy that could post himself. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was his idea, wasn't it? He tried to flatten himself. How did he try and flatten himself? I, I can't remember. How... It, must it was an been... accident, right? Did he get run over by a steamroller or something? Or did he try to? Did he make himself flat? Yeah, I mean that's kind of scary if he's asked loads of people to jump on top of a table and kind of like. But it's equally scary if he got run over because he, you know, if I wouldn't put it past you were trying to jump in paintings and get through wardrobes. What if you tried to flatten yourself? By jumping in front of a car. I mean, yeah. we've That's we've already yeah. And here's the thing: it could have worked. And you I could, oh yeah. And today I could be, I could be able to slide under doors. You could Imagine be flat, if you were flat side. Flat side. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was what actually one of my favourite books. That that is true. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, the idea of posting yourself off to places, exploring the world, it's a lot easier than you know. Uh, That's the only way to do it now. <laughs> it's true at the moment. But Wait, yeah. Well, that, I think, is the top five. Do you know what my favourite thing is? Out of all the podcasts we've ever recorded, the only time so far we've had it, something verging on a sensible conversation was on children's books. <laughs> so, uh, it's been a good show so far, I think. It's going well, I think. As Vivian yeah. Stanshaw would say, a lot of it's rubbish, you know. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. yes, we should do some Vivian stories, actually. Yeah. That'd be good. People out there want to look up Vivian Stanchel. Yes, Quite please do. Yeah, he's a big uh, influence on us. Yeah. However, however, just to completely change that, the tone, how would you feel, Sai, about another spooky story? Ooh, I do love your spooky stories. Yeah. Um, you they one? make me quake in my very boots. This one is a spooky story involving animals. Oh, what's you, this one called, Al? This is called. Heliodora and Sandy the Cat. Wow. Heliodora came into the vet's office early that day. It was cold and drafty, like an old man's foot. 
Do you want me to do some sound effects? Uh, if you like, like, yeah. Okay. This morning, she had a long list of animals to treat. A mole rat with a skin condition. A gerbil stuck with glue to a piece of MDF. And a cat with no voice. The gerbil was done for and the mole rat wasn't of interest. But a cat with no voice. That was intriguing, she thought. Where could its voice have gone? So Helio opened the cage and placed the ginger beast on the metal slab of her office. It looked at her with its marble cat eyes and she knew, just by looking, that it wanted to tell her something. But how could it? For it had no voice. She looked inside its cat mouth to see if there were any clues. Nothing but teeth and old fish bones. But as she stared, Heliodora, for that was her name, found her mind melding with the feline. She slipped spiritually into its body, and soon it was she that was sat on the cold table in the office. She felt as the cat felt, saw as it saw, hungered for the dreamies. But she had no voice. She looked up and saw her body gazing down at her, exactly as she was, bar one difference. She had the head of a giant ginger pussycat. The sight of it in that white veterinarian coat drove Heliodora to madness that morning, but she had no voice to scream. And now, with a cat vet free to operate on any living animal, the world may never recover. Terrifying. <laughs> Was that chilling enough? Yeah, my God. Trying to, I'm trying to go dark. Yeah, yeah. I think you've really, you've really gone Was that, there. Did you get it? Did it work? Yeah. Like, did you get the cat head vet thing? Yeah, yeah. So she transformed through yeah. the mind meld. She was transformed yeah, into yeah. the into Which the would cat. change everything. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was trying to. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll try again. No, I like it. I'll I try again. It. I'll try. I mean, I liked not, it. Okay. Yeah, well, I'll try again. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I had an awkward celebrity encounter with Jane Horrocks once. <laughs> Did you really? That is a mystery encounter. The old Horrocks, That though. I will never understand. Um, and it haunts me to this day. So I was in, I was an extra in a sitcom that she was in that I can't remember the name of. Uh, it was in a supermarket. I think it was on Sky. I can't remember. Anyway, I was an extra in that. Jane Horrocks was in it. She seemed very nice. Like, got no problem with Jane Horrocks uh, she was really nice to all the extras and then at one point we broke for lunch and uh, I was heading out of the set for lunch Jane Horrocks and some of the other cast were behind me and I thought I should hold the door that's the plate thing you do you know especially for the star of the show you hold the door so I held the door and as Jane Horrocks walked past she looked me in the eye and started pissing herself laughing and to this day i'm not sure why i'm not sure no. what jane horrocks found so funny about my appearance well to, to be honest as you're a comedian that's probably is that not a good thing? i suppose it's a good response but yeah, yeah it's a bit worrying when somebody just starts I got laughing quite paranoid randomly at you yeah. isn't it yeah so funny enough we were on holiday recently and in portugal and we were in a shop and a friend of ours uh was there and this little old man just walked up to him 
and just went, <laughs> and it just walks off. I mean, that is an awful thing. Somebody's laughing at you. And you don't know why. For no apparent yeah. reason. That's I mean, it could be paranoid, that right? she was laughing at something else and just happened to make eye contact with me as she laughed, but it didn't seem that way. I think she was laughing at you. I think she probably was. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason. Fucks. One day, we'll get Jane Horrocks on one of her projects and say, the reason you're here... <laughs> Is so we it's can laugh. So down. we can laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> just stand that there door. and just go. <laughs> yeah, horrid. Well, that was that was weird. Yeah. Uh, I also had quite an amusing encounter uh, uh, backstage at Sonosphere. Ooh, fancy. Uh, and I met. It was a weird experience. I managed to get backstage at Sonosphere with the wrestling company I work for, and so we had artist passes. So we're sitting in this artist area. With, you know, Iron Maiden and Slayer. I had a... I fought over a chamomile tea with the lead singer of Slayer. Right. That was good. We both went... There was only one chamomile bag left. And we both went for it at the same time. God. And I'm did like... It, did it rip in two? Did you... Well, you know, he's in Slayer. He got it. Right. He got it. What can you do? So, you know... I just imagined you ripping it in half and chamomile blowing just up into his face. Yeah, we'd just both become very relaxed. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, so, uh, you wouldn't but the, around the same time, is, uh, I met. Um, well, I say I met. I saw Joey Belladonna, who is the lead singer of Anthrax. Right. Wow. And that's I a thought, great name, isn't it? It is a good name. Joey isn't it? Belladonna. And I thought, oh, look over there. That's Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. Thought, you know what would be good is if I had a photograph with Joey Belladonna from Anthrax. That would be fun. Yeah. So I said to my girlfriend, like, hold the camera, Debbie. I'm just going to say my girlfriend because nobody knows who it is. Otherwise, it's weird. Um, I'm going to go over and I'm going to say hello to Joey Belladonna. I had a cup of tea in my hand because I'm metal. Chamomile tea? No, this was a regular tea. Right. This one. This was a different time. And so I went over to Joey Belladonna, the lead singer of Anthrax, and I went to shake his hand and say hello. But he sort of went for a, you know, a metal fist bump. And I, so his fist is coming at my handshake. Yeah. And I changed, I saw what he was going for. I thought he's going to fist bump. I should be cool. I should fist bump. So I quickly transformed my handshake into a fist bump at the same time as he transformed his fist bump into a handshake. And by that time, it was too late. It was just too late. So he sort of just tenderly grabbed my fist. (laughs) And you could see we both kind of were looking at each other's eyes thinking... Oh, that's weird. That doesn't And if feel you right. actually yeah. do it, it just yeah, feels very intimate. Yeah, it does feel intimate. Yeah, yeah. and so it was so kind of erotic kind of, feeling. Yeah. And none of us wanted that. Erotic fist um, bumping with Joey Belladonna. Of a, yeah. That's, that should be a... The Belladonna shake, I call it. Oh, right. Um, so... <laughs> that sounds like a really dangerous type of milkshake, <laughs> so I must admit. There is a photo uh, of me and Joey Belladonna, and we both look really unhappy. Uh and that's why we've both had a, an unwanted, intimate moment physically. Um, mm. But you know, at least you didn't drink a belladonna shake because that would have probably killed you. So, uh, yeah, you made your eyes. So if you give me a belladonna pain. shake now, Sorry. and uh, just just see how it feels, see okay, what you think. Let's do the. Oh no! Yeah, like strong, it. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's un- it's unhappy. Try it at home, listeners. 
Give your loved ones a belladonna shake. <laughs> Don't tell them. Belladonna <laughs> is poisonous. Do not make belladonna into a milkshake. And whatever you do, what don't, is it? don't put it into your eyes. Is either. this a real thing? Have yeah, you in, the, in the olden days, uh, women used to put drops of belladonna into their eyes. It's a type of poison to make their pupils go big and black. So Everything they more you say this makes me want to Google. No, it's true. To make, to make them look more You would have been a nightmare but to you know before happened? Google Do you know what happened? This was a weird thing, is that the belladonna, even though it made their pupils nice and wide and black, uh, eventually, if you kept putting it, burnt through your eyeballs into your brain. So, so that pretty much so, sums up this encounter. So, if you attracted uh, somebody to you with a belladonna in your eyes, you'd then go blind. That and, sounds like an anthrax lyric. And they married. Attracted somebody <laughs> to me yeah. with the belladonna in her eyes. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah. And then it would no, it would turn you blind. Turns and then, you blind. And then it would rot your brain. Rot your mind. <laughs> yes, it's great. And so it's you would. Uh, you'd not only not be able to see the person that you married, like who that. found you attractive. It turns you'd, you blind. You'd also forget who they were. Oh, yeah. I never know who you were. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's great. good. So, uh, uh, do you know what? I think I probably gave him a good idea. I think you probably did. I think yeah. you probably went away going, oh. That was something. Yeah. Turns you blind. Right, man. He's writing it down. Yeah, scribbling Never it down. Never knew who you were. Because we didn't really introduce each other. So basically, it was all, ki- all kinds of stuff. So you, there's a belladonna shake in there. There's a chamomile explosion. Slayer. A chamomile slayer. <laughs> a chamomile slayer. Which is a great belladonna cocktail. shake. Chamomile. This actually sounds like, it sounds like stuff from some kind of poison cocktail bar, really, doesn't it? Poison, also a metal band. This is... Uh, this is just madness yeah God. anthrax poison white snake chamomile slayer no white snakes oh. <laughs> <laughs> well folks hope you enjoyed that strange kind of bits and pieces episode of the electric head podcast uh, you can follow us at the electric head on facebook and electric head comedy on instagram we've got lots of cool stuff going on improvised shows um crazy interactive tv things and stuff like that so please check us out if you're listening to this podcast please get in touch uh, especially if you have some top five stuff like that it'd be cool to know who's listening uh, subscribe to us and spread the word and hopefully myself and Sai will be back to normal next week with more uh, crazy goings on in the surreal reality of existence or however we sell this so uh, bye everyone see you next week Yay!